Well, good evening. Yeah, as you said, my name is Ben, and we've, you guys have been going through 1 John um, here these, this last semester, and so we're going to continue that tonight. Uh, the passage I have is in 1 John 5, 11 to 19, and I think one thing that God wants us to know from this passage is that God is a rescuer. He loves to rescue people. Um, a little bit about me, God actually rescued me from a life of singlehood about eight years ago. I met my wife, Felicia, and I have a five-year-old daughter and a um, three-year-old son there, and I have one on the way. In about a month, we're going to have our third. So, um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, I love my kids to death, except when my daughter decides to take my wife's nail polish and dump it all over my son's head. And it takes four hours and three bottles of nail polish remover to, to clean up. <laughs> With him crying the whole time, Mommy, why are you hurting me? This nail polish remover stings. I don't know if you've ever tried to pour it on your scalp, uh, but it does. Um, yeah, but <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> I want to talk about God as a rescuer tonight. And so I'm going to look at the first few verses. John talks about God rescuing in a number of ways through these, uh, these verses. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, if you've been around crew for very long, you're very familiar with this verse. Um, John clearly wants believers in Jesus to, to know, to have confidence in our relationship with God, to, to know that we have eternal life because we believe in the name of the Son, the name of Jesus. And you know, faith, one definition of faith is just trusting what God has said regardless of how we feel, right? Um, and God has said that if you trust in his Son, you have eternal life. But you know, God just doesn't want to just leave us there with that intellectual knowledge that, that we have salvation. He loves us, and he wants us to, to know it experientially. He wants us to know it in our, down deep, in our core. And he's given us the witness of the Holy Spirit to those who have the Son. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And so one of the roles of, the Holy, of this gift of the Holy Spirit is to bring that head knowledge of our relationship down to our heart. So it's normal in the Christian life to have times when you feel distant from God or closer to God. Um, but the Holy Spirit, God intends for us to, to know it experientially as well as intellectually. And so I just want to take a moment, and actually I'm going to do something a little unique. I'm going to, I'm going to have everybody close their eyes. I'm going to pray for us that the Holy Spirit will do this. Because I know that in this large of a group, there's some of you that are going through a dry time or maybe some doubts and God feels more distant. So I want, I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit will do this right now. And I'm going to um, just stay silent for about 30 seconds and let him kind of do his work, if that's all right. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now to come make yourself known to us. Make yourself known to your children. Show us, let us know down deep in our hearts that we are loved, 
that we are delighted in, and that we are your children. Amen. Well, God loves to rescue from death to eternal life. Um, but one of the ways that he, he loves to rescue also is through answered prayers. Pretty much everything that God does is, is through answering prayers of his people. If you're a, a believer in Christ, think about the first time when God rescued you from death to life was because you prayed a prayer. You, you asked God to rescue you, and he did. He loves to come through. He loves to be the hero. Um, and rescue comes because someone is praying for a need, and then God moves to meet that need. A couple of quotes. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. And also, the story of every great Christian achievement is the history of answered prayer. Prayer's pretty mysterious, isn't it? You know, you have this, this sovereign God. He knows the future. He knows what he's going to do tomorrow. And yet somehow my prayers today influence what he's going to do tomorrow. Um, it's impossible to figure out how exactly that works, but the Bible makes it clear that my prayers are not useless. They affect the heart of God and the action of God. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And so that is the means that God uses to rescue. Now, one of the, one of the, um, the key things about this verse, this verse is a little bit, um, I'm going to go ahead and read it right now. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. This is a, a bit of a, a difficult verse to accept for us, right? Because we've all seen prayers go unanswered, right? Um, and yet John would seem to indicate that we can know we, that, that God will answer. So what are we to do with this? I think one of the keys is, is that phrase, when it's according to his will. There are some things that the Bible tells us are God's will, right? Like Jesus tells his disciples, uh, pray for God to send laborers into the harvest. And so you can know when you pray to that prayer that you're praying according to his will. Or when I pray uh, to have more love in my heart or to be more humble or patient, obviously those things are in accordance with his will. But there's a whole ton of things that we pray for all the time that are not in the Bible at all. They're not referenced. Um, but I think it's, it's helpful to understand that um, as we grow in Christ, our mind becomes transformed more and more into the mind of Christ, and naturally, we will have more of the heart of God and more of the, the prayers of God. And I also think it's something that we can pray for. We can pray that God will give us revelation of how to pray, you know, if you're um, wondering how to, how to pray. But I am convinced that, that John wants us to have confidence when we pray to God, that he will answer. I think it is God's desire 
to say yes to any prayer that he can say yes to without hindering some other goal that he's doing in our lives or he's doing in the world. In other words, I can trust that he only says no for good reasons. If he says no, there's a good reason he said no. There's a whole ton of verses uh, that I won't go into all of them that, that, um, that teach this, this concept that God wants to say yes to your prayers. He's very, he's very ready to say yes to their prayers when, um, when he can without hampering anything that else that he's trying to do in the world because he loves to rescue. He loves to come in and meet the need. And you can kind of check this out for yourself. Uh, one thing, my faith really grew in this area. Um, a few years back, I was on the mission field, and our, our team, we, uh, a couple semesters, we did a prayer journal as a team, and, and we, were, we would not write down, down anything that was vague, okay? So we'd only write down really specific prayers. So if, if it was something like, if somebody wanted me to write down, uh, um, I want God to use me today, I wouldn't write that down. Because how do you know if, that's, if that prayer is answered or that prayer is not answered? So I'd only write down something that was very specific, you know, help me to encourage so-and-so today. You know? and, and then we started tracking. We'd pray these prayers every time we got together. We'd pray through the ones that weren't yet answered. And then the ones, as they got answered, yes or no, we'd, we'd write it down. And um, prayed about tons of, like, really just really random little things. You know, I, I lost my my apartment key. I need God to help me find my apartment key, this kind of thing. And what we found, every semester we did this, we found at the end of the semester, 85 to 95% of our prayers were answered with a yes. You know, and, and we could often see, we could often see reasons why God would have said no to some of the others. And so I encourage you to try this. If you've never tried it before, just, just start a journal and like um, start writing down your prayers and just See what God will do to stretch your faith and, and teach you to pray more boldly. Um, so God loves to rescue through our prayers, and he, and he loves to rescue from sin. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. I will say this, this passage has some really difficult verses in it. <laughs> um, but the key for this passage, obviously, is, is what is the sin unto death? I mean, you have to understand that if you're going to understand what this uh, passage is talking about. And there's, there's a lot of disagreement on this. Some people would say things like apostasy, you know, turning away from Christ, or hardening your heart. Um, some people would say it's never believing in Jesus in the first place. Um, but I think, and there's a number of commentators that think that John here is actually talking about a physical death. And we see examples of this around us. You know, if you think of, a, of an alcoholic who ends up dying from his alcoholism uh, prematurely. <clears throat> in addition, it was, it was completely normal practice in the early church for them to pray for the sick and even pray for resurrections. Um, Peter saw resurrections. And I think what, what John is saying is if somebody dies because of their sin, don't pray for them to be resurrected. Um, there's example, examples of this in Scripture. Uh, and God may allow sickness or injury to awaken us to our need for spiritual healing. 
that's uh, one of the intentions. But a couple of examples in Scripture um, where people died as a result of sin is in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, where people just weren't, they weren't honoring the Lord's Supper, also known as the Eucharist or communion. Uh, they weren't showing it the proper respect. And some of them got sick and some of them died. That's in the last verse there. Also the example of Ananias and Sapphira. Um, if you know the story, they had sold a piece of, of property and they took the money, they took some of the money and gave it to the apostles to give to the poor and said that it was all the money because they wanted to make themselves look good. So they lied to make themselves look good. And God said, nah, and they died. They died from it. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> so we see examples of this in Scripture. But even if you don't take this, this uh, passage to, to mean physical death, there are a couple things we can see from it. I think we can see it's clear that God's heart is for the person to be saved from their sin. Right? He wants, he wants us to pray pray for them. He wants them to be rescued. And he wants us to be involved in, in helping to rescue them, helping them bring back that person, who's, that, that believer who's in sin, back to God. Uh, this is made explicit in James. It says, My brethren, if any of you among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. <clears throat> but this does raise the question, how could God allow, <clears throat> if, if my interpretation is, is the correct one, how can God allow a believer to experience sickness, death, etc., or trial, or relational pain, or or financial loss, or these kinds of things because of their sin. I mean, Jesus has already died for our sins. How could God allow us to experience those things as a result of sin? Well, I think there, the Scripture answers this. <clears throat> I think there's a couple of um, things that God might be doing um, in some cases. His discipline. Um, Hebrews talks specifically about God disciplining, disciplining us um, when when we sin, and it's it's not out of a, it's not out of judging us. It is it's out of a desire for our good. It's out of love for us and mercy for us because he sees he sees what what sin leads to, that sin leads to um, an unhappy life. He's more more committed to your holiness than to your comfort or your temporary happiness, because he knows that you can't be happy unless you are holy. Um, I've, th- this is the same reason I discipline my son, my, well, my son when he lies, you know, because um, I know that if he grows up to be a liar, someone who lies a lot, he, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with his relationships with people. Um, his marriage will be a mess <laughs> if he's lying all the time. Um, he's going to have trouble with employers. You know, you, sin just leads to ruin, and God wants to spare us. Okay, and, so he, and so he will protect us a lot of times, but if, if we're headed down this path of unrepentant, and what I'm talking about here is, is the unrepentant sinner. I'm not talking about, hey, I screwed up, but you know, I, I confessed it to God, and I'm, I, I want to be filled with the Spirit again, and I wanna, I'm spiritually breathing, right? I'm, I want to live for him. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we get to that place where, where we're sinning, and we're resisting the Holy Spirit, and, and we're sinning some more, and we don't want to repent, and we're, just, we're headed down a path toward destruction, then God may, in some cases, remove his hand of protection and allow us to face some of the consequences of that sin because he wants to rescue us, 
not because he wants to harm us. Um, and so he may, uh, maybe for his discipline, it also can be a mercy to his church. You know, in, in the case of Ananias and Sapphira, it says that after they died, the entire, all, all the Christians learned uh, the fear of God. They, they, they learned to start taking sin more seriously. Um, and so it was, a, it was a mercy to the church that he, he let that happen and didn't let it start multiplying. Um, and it can be a mercy to the individual in, in, a, in the extreme cases um, where, where death happens. And, I, and I'm also not saying, please hear me, this world is broken, this world is messed up, and people get sick and people die prematurely and, and face bankruptcy and all kinds of you know, horrible things in this life. Um, and some of that's just because the world's broken. Um, and so I'm not saying that every time you, know, you catch a cold, God is, <laughs> God is making it happen or God is disciplining you or anything like that. Um, but in some extreme cases, he may allow someone even to die um, for mercy to their individual so that they will not, to keep them from even worse rebellion, from continuing to multiply their sin. Um, but God is, God's main desire is to rescue us from the sin. He hates sin that much, and he loves us that much. He wants to rescue us from it. And sometimes this means disciplining us through allowing consequences in our lives. But God in his mercy will also rescue us from the consequences of our sin as we're walking with him. You know, I, I've experienced this in my own life. Um, it's not a promise that he's going to save us from every consequence of our sins, but it, it, he does do it um, quite often. Every sin has consequences in this world. It's a lie from the enemy that some sin doesn't affect anyone. Um, and so some of the ways God might protect us, he might protect us from healing or pre- preventing, by healing us or preventing some disease or something. Um, someone I, I know very well uh, got married to a guy who is sexually active before they got married, and he had contracted an STD. Well, they got married, and, and she also contracted it. And since then, they've had a couple kids, but their kids have not contracted it through the birth process, which they very easily could have in, this, in the case of this, this disease. Normally, kids do. And also, this, this person has not shown any... She's been asymptomatic. God has protected her from the symptoms of this, this STD um, in this case. Um, as, as they are trying to walk with the Lord, he, his mercy has rescued them in that case. Not that he always does, but in, he does do this kind of thing. He also will rescue or protect us from things like criminal prosecution or litigation or financial ruin. I mean, I, I just think back to my, my high school days, and <laughs> I mean, there are, you know, I did some stupid stuff, uh, you know, um, you know, <clears throat> endangerment of myself and others. I mean, I don't know how many times I tried to bury the needle in my car, <laughs> you know, at midnight on a you know, on a country road, you know, where I could have easily, because of my selfishness, killed, my, killed somebody or killed myself. And, and God, God protected me. I think God spared me. Um, and, so, and God delights in rescuing us. Even when, we're do, even when we're not living the way he wants us to, even when we're um, living in sin. So two takeaways I see from, from these few verses. Um, no matter how you take that sin unto death, whether you take it physically or, or in some spiritual sense of a death, um, spiritual death. 
I think we can say that God takes sin very seriously. There are consequences, and if we persist in sin, God may not spare us uh, forever from the consequences of our sin. And so I would just encourage anyone who, any one of you who's, who's engaged in, headed down that path right, right now, you've been, you've been in sin and you, you, you haven't been confessing and you've been kind of resisting, uh, repenting, I would just encourage you to find a dude that you trust if you're a, if you're a guy, or, or find a, a girl that you trust if you're not a dude, and uh, just let them come alongside you and walk with you through it. Confess to them there that you're, you're struggling with this issue. You know, we, we all need that. Um, I need that in my life, people who can do that for me. And for all of us believers, I'll also say that in a certain sense, you're, you're, you are your brother's keeper. I mean, God wants, um, God commands us to pray for those that we see committing sin. But I think even more than that, um, other places in Scripture talk about us um, going to them and confronting, which is, which is not pleasant. Nobody likes to do that. You know, hey, bro, you're, you're in sin. Let's talk about it. You know, it's, it's not comfortable. It's not fun. But, um, I mean, wouldn't you want someone to do that for you? You know, wouldn't you want your brother or sister to confront you if you were heading down that path away from God? I know I would. Um, you, we are at a war, whether you like it or not, with an enemy who wants to take you out any way he can. And you can't fight a war all by yourself. You need people beside you in the trenches. We need to hold the line. And if we see the enemy breaching our ranks, our job, it's our job to go pick up the fallen brother and patch them up and take out the bullets so they can get back to the front line, back to the war. You know, too many times as Christians, we let our w- wounded lie there in the dirt because <laughs> we don't know what to say or don't know what to do. Um, or we shoot our wounded. You know, we just distance ourselves from them. Yeah. <clears throat> so God wants to rescue us from our sin. Um, yeah. But he also wants to rescue us from slavery to the dominion of Satan. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Um, now, this, this first sentence here, we know that no one who is born of God sins. Obviously, that's a, that can be a troublesome, ver- troublesome verse, right? Because, um, you know, if you're a Christian, you know that you sin, right? <laughs> um, but John clearly cannot mean that no Christian sins because two verses ago, he just said, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin. So John doesn't think that. I think he's just using hyperbolic language. It's kind of like if I were to say, well, Christians don't take revenge on their enemies. It's like, well, I mean, some Christians do, you know. <laughs> I have. So um, it's just, you know, it's not the nature of being a Christian. It's not what we're living for. It's not who we are. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on that particular part of the verse. But this idea that God wants to rescue us from Satan's dominion. The Bible presents two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of this world. The world is under the kingship and authority of Satan. Scripture makes that clear. We are born under his dictatorship. It's a totalitarian regime. There is no freedom. 
Everyone in Satan's kingdom is a slave. And people, nations, businesses, institutions, political bodies, media, educational institutions, all are under his authority in some sense. And Jesus came to rescue a people out of that kingdom and establish a new kingdom. So we, we know that Jesus' death rescues us from God's wrath and, our, our, and fear of judgment on the one hand, right? Um, the consequences of our sin before a holy God. But on the other hand, Jesus' death also rescues us from slavery to this other kingdom. Um, so it's kind of two sides of that coin. We are in a war because Jesus came to declare war on the enemy of your souls. Jesus' kingdom is breaking into the kingdom of darkness. As he, as he goes into Satan's kingdom and he's snatching this person and this person and this person, right? And Satan sees his kingdom being breached and he will do anything he can to defend his territory, right? So <clears throat> Satan will try to keep you from Jesus if you, if you follow Jesus, if you've committed your life to him, he's already lost that, that battle. But he will try to kill you if he can. He will try to sow doubt in your heart. He will get you caught up in sin. It will get you loving things of this world. He will cut you off from the body of Christ. And he will make you too busy with other things to make an impact for Christ. He's got many other tactics besides that. But um, he does not want you ultimately being an effective soldier for the other side. He'll try to take you down, and while he's at it, he'll try to do some collateral damage. Take a, injure a few of your friends at the same time, those around you. And so one way God rescues his people from the enemy, one way that he loves to rescue us, is he, he rescues us not only from, from sin and in a sinful, destructive path that we could be on, but also even from the temptation of Satan. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, because with, or, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So God wants to rescue you from temptation, provide a way out. And he rescues from the authority and power and dominion of Satan. And in fact, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says Satan does not have authority over you but you actually have authority over him and his kingdom, over the forces of darkness. You know, if, if tonight, if, if you do not have the Son, the Son of God, Jesus, the Bible says that you are still in slavery to the evil one, as all of us at one time were. You were born into slavery, but you don't have to stay there. That's the good news. Jesus came to heal, to restore broken relationships, to bring comfort to the afflicted, freedom from fear, loneliness, guilt, shame, past wounds and hurts, and set you free from everything that holds you down. Those are the effects of Satan. Those are the works of Satan. Things like guilt, fear, shame, broken relationships. The death of Jesus means you can be free from God's wrath against your rebellion on one side and free from the authority and dominion of Satan on the other side. If you believe in Jesus' death as a means of your rescue and you turn to him as your king, he will, you will be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into God's kingdom. You know, coming to Christ is a lot like defecting from another country. 
to be granted citizenship in the new country, you, you have to break ties and renounce any allegiance to the old way of life, to the old king, the old kingdom, and you proclaim allegiance to a new king, to a new way of life. Through trusting in Jesus, we are declared citizens of God's kingdom. And so if there is anyone here today um, who has never trusted in Jesus for your forgiveness and all the things I've been talking about, I would invite you, if you're ready, to, to pray a prayer in your heart um, that I'm going to show on the screen as I, as I pray it out loud. Um, I'm going to invite the band to come up while I do this. Um, yeah, but I'm just going to read this. And so if, 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 that's, if you're ready to make that step, uh, I invite you to pray in your heart to God. God, I'm tired of living apart from you and your kingdom. I have lived in rebellion against you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to open the door for me to be reconciled to you. I want to defect, God. I want to come over to your side. I accept Jesus' death on the cross for me and invite you to come take control of my life. Be my king, God. I give you my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and make me into the person you desire me to be. Amen. And if you have, uh, so if you have prayed that prayer for the first time, I encourage you to talk to anyone you saw up front today or somebody that uh, you came with and fill out the blue card as a place to indicate that. Or if you just have questions still, you're not sure, um, any, anyone you've seen, again, you came with or up front would love to talk to you more. So thanks, guys.